HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's May 8th, 2012. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, and we're sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. If you want to learn more about beer styles or take the Great Beer Test to challenge your beer IQ, go to GreatBrewers.com. We're also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars that serve, promote, and support good beer. Check out GoodBeerSeal.com. All right, in the studio tonight, we have a full house. We have Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger. Dave, how are hey, Jimmy. you? Hey, Jimmy. I'm good. Were you out at the CBC? I was out there. All right. Still we, recovering. We're going to have Jen Swerber on tonight. We got. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jimmy. Rich Buchetta, the Buchetta Cut from uh, a soon to be new brewery. Hello, Jimmy. Maya from uh, Reposa from Brooklyn Brewery and part of the New York City Brewers Guild. And uh, Chris and Damien from the Bronx Brewery. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, so the, the hottest news for me, you know, there's James Beard Awards, there's Craft Brewers Conference, but the hottest news for me in the world of New York beer right now is the formation of the New York City Brewers Guild, uh, which is apparently taking over a New York Craft Beer Week. Maya, you're the secretary for that group. Do you, you want to say a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, well, uh, our, our mission for the New York City Brewers Guild is to... <laughs> promote the New York City brewing industry, which is rapidly growing. There's a lot more breweries opening up every every year. Um, and there's been a real need to uh, sort of get the community together into one room. So we're seeking to promote the brewing industry in New York City and through that lessen human misery. Now, w- was this uh, guild going to happen on its own or did it coincide with a desire to, you know, be more involved with Craft Beer Week? Um, it was actually a very collective effort. Uh, there was talk that Josh Schaffner, who was the co-founder of New York City Bre- or New York City Craft Beer Week, he was interested in stepping down. Uh, and so some of the brewing community came together. They saw a need. They saw that someone needed to take it over, and that's really why the Guild was born. 
And who, who are the, the active members of the New York City Brewers Guild? Well, we're signing more on all the time. We just signed on Rockaway Brewing Company this morning, actually. Chelsea just signed on. But uh, the Bronx part of it, Coney Island, Kelso, Six Point, Brooklyn Brewery, uh, the Gastro Pub, so 508 Brewery, um, as well as Eataly, and Harlem Brewing Company as well. Wow. Dave, is this news to you? Uh, no, I got the uh, I got the email. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was funny because out at CBC, they were talking a lot about, uh, they were really pushing people to join their brewers guilds, um, state, city, and uh, I, I think it's a great way to get people organized, get get the power of being a little more collective rather than just everyone kind of working separately. So uh, I think that's going to be a big thing. So Chris and Damon, you, you guys, as the, the New Bronx Brewery, you guys are important players in, in this guild. Um, tell, tell us what your feelings are about it and uh, you know what you're looking forward to. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited to be, uh, to be part of the guild. Uh, and as a new member, uh, I mean, hopefully contribute as much as we can, but also learn from the brewers that have been in there for a while. And it, when, when's the launch party? Uh, the launch party is May 22nd at the Brooklyn Brewery. It's from 7 to 10. Um, and tickets are on sale right now. Um, I mean, just to speak to sort of the collective nature of the Guild, what was really amazing about it was that it was the first time that all of us had really sat in the same room with each other, which is kind of mind-blowing. What what was that like? Uh, Well, what was amazing about it was that everybody was on the same page. Like, we talked for 10 minutes. Everyone was like, great, great idea. Sign us up. And every idea that we brought up, people were really responsive. We got a logo made in, like, two days. Wow. It was it was kind of an amazing collaborative process. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking at your logo right now. It has a hop leaf in it. It does. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So what else is the secretary going to do? you got Jeremy Cohen is the from Coney Island and Schmaltz. He's the president. Yep. Which I know he was involved in New York Craft Brew Week for several years. Yeah. Kelly Taylor from Kelso is our vice president and treasurer. Um, so we're really, I'm working a lot on our social media initiatives and sort of marketing our events right now. Um, and just general organization. Um, so everybody is really working together. The Bronx guys are helping out with the social media and general inquiries. They wrote our mission statement. Um, everybody is really sort of just pulled together. Six Points helping out with glassware and event promotion. And everybody's really doing their part. One thing that was interesting, you offer memberships to the general public as well? Yes, we do. And uh, why did you do that? Um, just to get people more involved, there's so many, especially homebrewers in the city, we wanted them to have a representation in the guild as well, and just general craft beer enthusiasts in the city. Um, so we are offering you know, a, an individual membership, basically, which gets you VIP access to official guild events, and then we're also going to be doing sort of private brewery tours and uh, special tastings throughout the year for men- members, so they get a lot of different perks and the insider's look on the New York City Brewing. Jimmy, are you going to be a VIP? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's one of those ideas, when I, when I first heard about it, it was like, oh my God, it's so obvious. There should be a New York City Brewers Guild, and it's like it's as if it had existed all along. Right. So I think it's really exciting. It is I'm, very I'm coming exciting. to the event. Awesome. All right. <laughs> cool. And so at the event, like, what's going to happen? I mean, what... Uh 
Like, it's going to be all really boring speeches. That's what I figured. So yeah. how's that going to end human misery? I just, uh, we're I not. Well, that's the whole point of the event. It's the antithesis of actually doing that. So there's yeah. no beer at the event. Oh, good. Uh, no, everybody. The, the theme. The theme. Jimmy, for the, you get to go to that one. Yeah, you'll have fun. No, the theme for the event is a uh, rare and unusual beers and obscure beers. So we're all kind of bringing out some stuff that the public hasn't seen before. Um, so there'll be a lot of good surprises. All right. And Chris and Damon, do you guys want to say anything about what you're doing uh, related to the Brewers Guild or other things? Going yeah, on? so we are, uh, to the event, we're bringing our pale ale, but also bringing the uh, oak-aged pale ale, which we only made 300 bottles of tonight, uh, and we brought one tonight for everyone to share. Let's, let's taste that. All right. Yeah, we're having the pale ale right now, which is fantastic. That's actually the first time I've seen the bottle. I like that label. Yeah, we hand-bottled all the uh, bourbon barrel-aged stuff. Uh, and so I know, I know what you guys you guys are kind of going through a process of just establishing yourself. Or you're, I know you're trying to raise money. Um, wh- any other special initiatives you're doing in the community? Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple things. Uh, one is that we just uh, signed a partnership agreement with the botanical gardens, and um, as of this past week, we have now 125 uh, Cascade hot plants in the ground in about 10 community gardens across the Bronx. I hope they don't think there's something else. <laughs> uh, well, it's, kind of, it's a movement. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Stacy uh, Murphy from BK Farmyards two weeks ago with uh, Ben Granger from Beercraft after Beer Sessions Radio. Yeah. And um, they started talking about also doing like a hundred backyard, you know, membership, yeah. uh, hop growing, you know, group. Yeah. So we're, we're really excited. We have, <clears throat> like I said, about 10 community gardens involved, um, including the botanical gardens. We had a hop expert from Cornell come down and give a, a workshop for all the gardeners. And uh, we'll see. We're going to see what we get this fall for a harvest and uh, hopefully brew some sort of specialty batch of beer and uh, co-brand it with the botanical gardens. And then uh, all the proceeds we're going to put back into the 10 gardens that participate. What, what kind of hops are you guys doing? They're all Cascade. So we'll you know come up with something, maybe a wet hop beer or something with the cascades so. what i like about you guys is i mean i like your beer a lot um i'm always it, it's in a good way i'm always surprised at how much i like your beer because i don't whenever i think pale ale i don't doesn't jump out at me but you've got this nice hoppiness the last time you were on the show damien you talked about your malt profile and uh it's also you guys are like the dynamic duo though because <laughs> you know damien's like you're like a star you know out of uc davis a young brewer and um you know Chris, you're just this like awesome like you know. I do, guy, I do a lot of Facebook and yeah, you know, and you so even have your going. own truck. <laughs> They've got a truck with 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 the side loading truck. It's like a professional yeah. you know beer truck. So so our next beer that we're working, uh, we're doing pilot batches on now. It's going to be a rye, and uh, we actually I know how much you enjoyed tasting all the malt last time. We brought some uh, rye. Uh, Rye malt and flake rye for you. If you're curious to try it. Yeah, no, I, I was really impressed at, at you know the thought you'd put into your malt malt mix and yeah, and they, I, I like yeah. the way that you guys you know just concentrate on one beer and getting it right and just keep doing that one beer until you're really really happy with it and then uh, and then finally move on to another one. I think that's a great way of doing it. Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you. Yeah. Hey Jen, uh, it's always good to have you back, Jen Schwartman. Hi. It's great to be here. Of course, it's been a while. So what do you, what do you think of all these new happenings in New York City? Oh, it's it's new really breweries, exciting. New and brewers guilds. Yeah, and I actually love how uh, Maya's relaying the story of how those breweries all got together and really like saw the con- like the need together because it sounds like when you started a good beer seal, it was there was a little dissension in the beginning. So you wonder how you know how it's going to be, but the brewers all saw a purpose in it. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that everyone's used to competition. They're used to competing. And it's like when you join together, it, it's it's like rising tide lifts all boats. That's well, what I was thinking. And that was said quite a few times at the at the Craft Brewers Conference. And uh, it's really important right now for everyone to unify. And they did talk about the guilds a lot. But people are really concerned that the community of craft brewing is going to change dramatically as competition you know, becomes <laughs> crazier and crazier like it's happening already. And uh, it's really important to maintain that community for it to stay as, like, cool as it's been for so long. It was a big family reunion out there. Wow. Well, there's one thing, Maya and, and, and maybe Chris, you can talk about this. There's one thing that has come up uh, over the last year. Uh, there's a thing about the small craft breweries, like you guys, and then there's distributors. And, um, you know, you have to make these choices about who you're going to distribute with, and there's different rights involved. And do, do either one of you want to talk about that? So you must be going through that now at, at Bronx, deciding on a distributor. You're also self-distributing now. Sure. I think we will reach a point when Damien and I can't lift every keg uh, into the truck, and that, that point's probably coming up very quickly. Uh, so we're talking to all the distributors now, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a very important decision to make because it is a lifelong marriage. Um, there, I mean, there's some legislation right now in the New York State Senate which is going to talk about uh, potentially being able to get out of distribution contracts. But right now, it's, it's, it's in perpetuity. So it's a very important decision to make. And I think on the same, side, on the same um, point, there's a lot of distributors out there that, you know, that sell the same way we sell, that look at beer the same way we look at beer. So you know, we're finding some out there that will really be able to partner with, I think, and, and sell our beer. And are you thinking about expanding out of the New York City? Do you have a, a plan in mind? Or are you still focusing on opening your brewery? I mean, we, we have a plan for expanding outside of the city, um, but it's it's so far off. New York City itself has so many places to, to sell your beer to uh, and for people to consume your beer that it's in our mind. But right now, we're really just focused on New York and raising the money to, to build out our brewery for the people in New York. Great. Dave? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Back from Vermont. I know Jenna has something to say. I haven't oh, been no, Vermont in 10 days. I was just going to say, these Bronx Brewery beers, I have I have to say, I've heard about you guys for a while now. I haven't had a lot of contact. I haven't met you until today. And uh, I can't even recall when I've actually had the chance to try the beers. So it's really fun to see that every, your reputation is correct. Because uh, people are really excited about what you're doing. I thought it was interesting. I, I um, started getting texts from like a bunch of beer geeks that I know, like, you got to try this Bronx Pale Ale. You know, I mean, it's like, it's very rarely that they, they get excited about a Pale Ale. So I was like, wow. Yeah. And so, and then all of a sudden you guys appeared in the in the doorway. And uh, I mean, honestly, for brought all me a bottle. Three, I, I've been carrying... You guys have had a pretty much a line at Jimmy's number 43 for at least a year. And uh, I always liked your beer, but it wasn't until Dave Roderick said that he heard good things about it that I was confident enough to really believe in it because I'm just a sheep. You, you know? should so. never listen to me. <laughs> I, re- I had your beer for the first time in cask at a DBA cask festival. I was working, and it was the best beer on cask there by far. And I went into Jimmy's, I think a week later, and I saw that it was on, and I texted Jimmy. I was like, Jimmy, I'm so psyched to see that Bronx is on. He's like, yeah, we sold so much of it last week. Yay, my. So, yeah, you guys are doing awesome stuff. Thanks. Yeah, and, and it's because it's like I said, it's just you're, you're in that category, Paleo. I'd, I'd never expect too much from Paleo. And every time I have your beer, I'm always like, wow. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was sort of part of the approach to launching with a Paleo. So I think everyone has one, but I think very few people actually focus on it as, you know, a real flagship beer. And so we saw an opportunity and we tried to make a big, you know, assertive Paleo, but something very balanced and drinkable. And so we're we coming back to the 90s. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. <laughs> What what were the, the new, 90s the like for IPA. you, Dave? 
I, you, I don't really remember them, but I remember there was a lot of pale ale <laughs> and amber. And also today we have Rich Puchetta, the Puchetta cut. Oh, uh, here we go again. He's got Are the, we bringing he, back that gag come tonight? On. That's from Garrett Albert. The coolest, the coolest name in, in breweries. Uh, I have to get it right. I always forget. Single cut beer smiths. Thank you. It's not a you know a fetish club. It's a it's a brewery. And you've really you, you're a home brewer. You've made your mark at, at many events, and you're doing it. So uh, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, well, we're building out our brewery. The equipment is arriving in one month, and uh, yeah, it's all happening. Um, I guess the biggest uh, news is that we originally were going to build out our brewery uh, north of the city in Rockland County, um, but we met one roadblock after another, and um, you know, I went back to my original uh, idea, which was to open up a brewery in Queens. Queens is yet to have a brewery to call its own. It's my birthplace. It's where I went to college. And, uh, you know, I didn't pursue it because I thought it would just be too expensive and there would be too much red tape, so on and so forth, which there is a lot of, and that's another uh, topic for another program. But uh, it didn't prove to be that much more uh, costly than anything in uh, Rockland. So it proved to be the right decision. Uh, the local support in Astoria and Queens has been overwhelming, and uh, it's been a great shot in the arm for us. So uh, it's been it's been really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we're, we're, that's going to be the lead into our next segment. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. At GreatBrewers.com, it's all about the brewers. Here we are on Beer Sessions Radio, Roberta's in uh, Bushwick. Uh, Dave Broderick, Jen Swartman, Rich Puchetta, Meyer Raposa, and Chris and Damien from the Bronx. That's it. This is an Good awesome job, show. Man. All right. So uh, just before we went off, whatever, for our break... Um, Chris was and Damien were telling us about uh, their oak aged pale ale. Why don't you guys tell us about how you made that and and what it's aged in? Because that's kind of a, a unique beer. Yeah, so we we took our pale ale. Uh, this is after the dry hop and uh, put it into a new uh, Woodford Reserve uh, bourbon barrel and uh, kept topping it up and tasting it over the course of a couple months and then uh, I guess a little over three months. Decided it was time and uh, put it into bottles. So we've we we uh, hand bottled about 300 uh, 22 ounce bottles and um, sold most of them. And we're keeping a few to 
enjoy ourselves. Well, yeah, we, we got some at Jimmy's number 43. We haven't put it on the list yet, but we're going to. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's the same exact beer, but uh, the hops are totally muted after being in the barrel. Um, I get a, a bourbon nose to start, maltiness, and then wood and vanilla at the end. So, Jen, what do you think about this beer? I think it's really nice. I would... I would have loved to have seen the hops come through a little bit more against the vanilla, you know, the, the oak and the vanilla, because I love IPAs and I love my hops. But it's it's really nicely done. It's, yeah, beautiful. Cool. All right. And uh, I got to ask you guys, you guys, uh, I want to know when there's going to be a Bronx brewery. Is, do you have an answer or still working on it? Yeah, well, we are. It all depends on how much money uh, people want to give us and how quickly. So uh, we're actually raising funds right now for that, and we're hoping to build it out, some start that sometime early next, early to mid next year. So uh, I might have missed something, but um, where are you brewing now? I know that you're yeah. brewing hands-on yeah. at, a, at, a, at an outside so, facility just to get things this thing going. Yeah. But where is that? So it's up in Cottrell, at Cottrell Brewing Company in Pawkins, oh, okay. Connecticut. So it's That's a, how you pronounce it? I always thought Cottrell. it was Cottrell. Cottrell. Yeah, yeah, okay, so good. It's, uh, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour trip. Um, okay. And I'm up there once a week brewing, kegging. Yeah, I've heard that you make the trip, and all the beer is your beer, and you're making it yourself, but it's somebody else's place, and I couldn't yeah. remember who that was. So, so we, Great. we use their brew house. Um, we actually, it's kind of a, the way that we were allowed to get in there was um, uh, that we had to buy our own fermentation tanks. So we, uh, we bought a 40-barrel and an 80-barrel that we installed in their facility. And, so they had uh, room for that. So the brew house, yeah, it's not the bottleneck; it's the fermentation tank yeah. space. So that's an interesting yeah, way so to go about it. Yeah, it's sort of a arrangement. And uh, are those tanks yours for when you open your brewery? Will you move uh, them out? We're actually selling them to the to their brewery over time. Okay. So by the time we're ready to move to our own facility, they'll own them, and we'll have helped them expand, expand. their capacity. So it works works out well for Symbiotic. both. Symbiotic. Uh, we, I'll be incredibly happy, and I don't have to wake up at four in the morning to drive to drive that far. There, so. Yeah. Wow. And Rich, uh, tell us about your brewery. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this room. Trying to keep <laughs> yeah. Well, what what uh, what can I tell you? We've uh, we're going to have a thirty barrel brew house. Uh, we have four. Sorry, three 60-barrel fermenters, one 30-barrel. And we're actually, we've invested in two 60-barrel lagering tanks. And this might be a little too much geek talk for many people that are listening, but the Don't underestimate them. (laughs) The net net of that is that we're going to be very dedicated uh, amongst uh, hoppy beers and all the stuff that all us beer geeks really enjoy drinking is to bring back a lager resurgence. Loggers somehow have fallen by the wayside, and, and they've become the ugly stepchild. And we don't think that's fair or right, and we want to bring it back and make them as viable as any ale. I'm enjoying the honey calls, by the way. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Thank you. I have Thank to say that much. Jimmy actually gave me your business plan, and uh, I didn't have any money, but I read it. And uh, I thought it was it was it was really good. And what you, you what's your background? It's something. Oh uh, yeah, good question. Uh, well, thank you, Dave. Uh, well, my background, and I'll make this very brief, is uh, I used to work in advertising for most of my yeah, career as an art director. So I guess those skills did come to fruition in some respect. But uh, I quit the business when I absolutely hated it, which uh, I did for much of it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I got a job at Greenpoint as a brewer, and uh, I stayed on as long as uh, until I felt comfortable with my skill set, and then left to do what I'm doing now. 
And uh, I know Queens is, Queens doesn't have a brewery, and uh, I'm sure they were uh, dying to have one. Indeed. Indeed. And the, the community leaders, like, uh, have you talked to... Uh, uh, tomorrow night, uh, I'm meeting with the Queens Community Board, as a matter of fact. Uh, are they pretty excited? Or? They are very excited. It's, uh, it's the, the response has been overwhelmingly awesome. I mean, we knew that local pubs and publicans would be very excited. I mean, uh, I know that uh, Queens Kickshaw was on the show a little while ago, and, and those guys are great. Ben and Jen love them. Um, but all the other pubs have been terrific. But um, just local residents, uh, we get friended at least 20 times a day on Facebook. I mean, from just mostly Queens residents. It's been amazing. They've been dying, chomping at the bit for this uh, this to happen. So we won't let them down. I noticed, um, uh, I don't know where I saw this today, but I saw Steve Hindy, uh, Brooklyn Brewery, with uh, Chuck Schumer and... and uh, and a lot of the politicos talking about this uh, excise tax and, and right, all that. So right, right. it was kind of cool to see like so many bigwigs, political bigwigs, getting behind um, craft beer and and wrecking, you know, and, and Chuck saying, "Oh my God, it's like our fastest growing industry," and and people finally getting on board and realizing, is that helping you at all in terms of opening up? I, I'm optimistic. I mean, so far uh, it's been. I think the biggest benefit has just been uh, PR and just public awareness of New York State centric breweries and stay local. Um, but I am encouraged because just uh, last week there was a um, tax exemption that us New York State breweries enjoyed uh, that got overruled. And uh, I immediately... Uh, Who was behind that again? <laughs> I'm not going to name any names there. Uh, but uh, I immediately uh, emailed uh, Chuck and his team, and they responded right away, and I'm not going to say that my email had any influence whatsoever. I'm sure they got bombarded by emails, but they got right on it, and apparently uh, it was just in the news a few days ago that there's a good chance that that'll be overruled yet again that will go back to having that tax exemption. So they're working it. They're doing what they can, so I'm encouraged. It's great. And, and how long does it take to do a brewery in New York City? Oh, man. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart, let me tell you. It's, uh, it is a process. Everything is a process. And you take one, two steps forward and one step back every step of the way. It's awesome. I'm not complaining, but you know, you got to know what you're getting into for sure. Yeah, I, I talked to uh, Anderson at uh, 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 508, you know, and, and he was like, it took him like nine months to a year yeah. to finally get. Oh yeah! Approvals. Oh, every and he had a pre-existing restaurant. You know, he was basically just right. building it in his basement, right? Um, from Bowery Kitchen Supply stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, you've got to uh, if you want to speed up the process, you've got to hire the right lawyers, and uh, everything's a process. You need an architect, you need an engineer, you need a structural engineer, and it just goes. It's perpetual. All the people that you've got to hire. So, <laughs> you know. Have uh, have your pocketbook ready uh, for all this stuff. It's it's never ending in New York New York City. There, um, we were Dave and I were just talking to Mike Hinckley of Green Flash, and he made an interesting comment. He's in, of course, they're thriving and they just expanded. But he said a long time ago he learned that for every piece of equipment you buy, whatever that costs, it costs five times as much to install it. So then he got wise real fast about asking what the whole cost was going to be before he thought, oh, I can afford that tank. Yeah. Well, we went the other route and we installed it ourselves and uh, <laughs> took a few risks we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. yeah. But that makes that's why you're gonna you're gonna leave it in Connecticut. Yeah, leave it behind. Sell it to Quattro. <laughs> Let them worry about it. Our install process was not OSHA approved for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, don't tell us. Come on. <laughs> well, hey, all right. So we got Rich Buchetta Buchetta Cut. <laughs> Thank you. I always said the last time you were on, we had Garrett Oliver and. Uh, he, he went to town on that. He show. loved that. He stop. Yeah. You know, I'm relieved that that did not catch on since that broadcast. So hopefully that trend will continue. So, so what's the what story behind the name? Yeah. I'm curious. Single. You know, that's that's got to be the number one question I get. Um, and I, I should have left the mystique out there and never have answered that. But uh, the single cut is named after. Well, when I came up with the name for the brewery, I knew I didn't want to call it after a dog. It's a, fe- it's a fetish or thing. a fish. No, uh, <laughs> unless that's a better story. Maybe I will portray it that way, uh, or anything wilderness uh, related that's been done a million times. So. What was meaningful to me at the time was that, uh, in addition to my beer passion all my life, I was uh, a guitarist. And the style of guitar, body style that I played, was a single cut. So that was just the best idea I came up with at the time, and we named the brewery Single Cut Beersmiths. And that's why our tap handle is a guitar. It sounds like a kid I know. know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, most, most people will never make that connection, and that's fine, because single cut... To most people, sounds like measure twice, cut once, precision sort of thing, which works. It's great. And so, when, when you when you get open and you're legal and all that, will you be part of the New York City Brewers Guild? Of course, of course. Looking forward to my invite. I have not gotten it yet, and I'm a little sad sad over that. Really? Yeah, I was crying a little bit before. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, a little weepy. So Rock, Rockway, so Rockway Brewery. That's another story too. We're gonna have. He'll be on sometime soon. Uh, what, what, what's yeah, his name? Marcus, the, right? This Marcus, uh, Marcus and Ethan. Marcus and Ethan. Yeah, and are they actually making beer in Rockaway? Or not yet? Not yet. No, I believe their their pilot system is out in Rockaway, but they're moving uh, or they're doing a lot of their brewing out in Long Island City. Wow, it's amazing. There there, there will be a, a show coming up about contract brewing, and um, it's it's I like what you guys have done. I mean, I, I really respect that you guys went out to trials and, and you're making your beer and all that. Um, there's a lot of other people that, that, that seem like they're are they just giving recipes to other breweries and the breweries are making the beer for them is that what a lot of the new upstarts are doing um, I'm sure you have people doing all sorts of things some people probably not even coming up with a recipe but just asking yeah. for beer and putting a label on yeah, it the reason yeah. I say that is that, you know I understand that people have to, they can grow they have to contract but I, I, I really respect the brewer's craft and you know that's why I always give credit to you Damien because you know you went to UC Davis you know you, you know your stuff and Rich you came up through through, through the home brew system um, I think that's important. I don't know what you guys were at CBC, well, and, and as well, I worked at uh, Greenpoint. I made sure that I got a, a true industry uh, education because I wouldn't try this without it. It's it's there's no intuition from going from home brewing to the professional ranks. It's not an easy transition. You've got to that. It's a whole new education, um, and uh, I agree with you, Jimmy, one hundred percent. I mean, I think that, um, and I, you know, I think that the. Uh, the word craft, what it means, has gotten a little diffused, and uh, it doesn't make me happy. I mean, I'm a lifelong craft beer American drinker, and, uh, you know, to me, with the advent of, um, you know, the way the industry has taken off, you've got all kinds of people who say, well, you know what, I can get involved, I can just farm out 
some style to a brewery and they'll make it for me and as long as I give them the money they'll market it and so on and so forth and the lines have become blurred so I think that uh, reclaiming what is craft about the craft beer industry is important. Well, I'd, I actually had a conversation on this very subject with Will Myers, who is the brewmaster of Cambridge Brewery out of Massachusetts, an excellent brewer, and he has a long-standing relationship with Ipswich, and he, um, you know, has been going there to Ipswich, traveling like you've been traveling, Damien, um, to brew his beer on premise there. But then, it, you know, he was saying it's slightly infuriating when some true contracts who are just passing off a recipe to whoever will make it in the same facility are like, yeah, our beer is being brewed at the same place as Cambridge's beer is being brewed. Because it's a whole different story when he's going there, has a relationship with them, and is physically present making his beer on their equipment. Right. It sets a different standard of what contracting is and can be. True. Agreed. And and I, I spoke with Dave Yarrington of, of Smutty Nose and, and, uh, about the same thing, and he said that... Um, he went to visit a contract brewery. I'm not going to say which one, and and um, sort of did the tour and saw all the equipment and all the hoses were dirty. There was yeast all over the place, and and not only that, and not only it was unclean, but they had such a specific regimen about how you had to brew there. Everything had to be filtered, pasteurized. So there was, and, and that was just the rules of that contract brewery. Like, so your beer had to basically change if it even came out well. Um, according to their rules. No, so. this, is, this is a fact about a lot of contract brewing that people don't recognize, is that it doesn't really resemble what, if there was an initial uh, idea behind that beer, and it changes, and there's no substitute for the people who idealize to have the passion for that beer, who were the brains behind it, for their dedication and devotion to the process of making that beer. It can never be substituted. Um, you know, and, and it's great that you guys, Bronx Peru, you guys are hands-on with your process, and that makes a difference because in addition to being hands-on, you've got to know the equipment. Uh, the equipment does have an influence on in how the beer is made, and you've got to understand what implications it has. So every step of the process is critical. That's good. We're going to take a short break. Let's come back and talk more about all the cool things that you have to do to make good beer on Beer Sessions Radio. Well, it took me a woman late last night. I was three-fourths drunk. She looked all right. Till she started peeling off her onion gook. She took off her wig, said, how do I look? I was high-flying. Bare naked at the window. Well, sometimes I might get drunk, walk like a duck, and smell like a skunk. Don't hurt me, none of don't hurt my pride, cause I got my little lady right by my side. She's a trying to hide, pretending she don't know me. Out there painting on the old wood shed when a can of black. Okay, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. 
Heritage Radio Network. There's over 20 shows broadcasting from Birders and Bushwick. Check it out. It's actually heritageradionetwork.org now because it's a 501c3. And, um, you know, go check it out. It's a great network. And uh, we're really proud to be the beer show on uh, Heritage Radio Network. All right. We're talking about cool things that happen and small breweries and, and changes and, and uh, you know, New York City Brewers Guild. But the big thing that just happened besides uh, what we talked about was Craft Brewers Guild. Excuse me. <laughs> Craft Brewers Conference. Conference. Everyone called it CBC. Right. It just happened. It's you a mouthful when you're drunk and you wh- try to why say Why do all these events have to have these acronyms? CBC, GABS. Because when you're drunk, it's hard to say all those words, you know. So if you know what CBC is, then you then you know beer? We're very simple people, yes. Okay. Yeah. CBC. Jen yes. and Dave went to CBC. Which was in San Diego this year. Yeah. And it's always fun to have an excuse to spend time in San Diego. Not only for the weather. There's a lot of amazing so be, beer be, down there. Before the show today, we emailed about, we said, oh, let's talk about the award winners. And Jen said, well, you know, you can go read about it online because there's pages of it. But you said, you're going to tell us about the beers that you guys really liked? Is that what you said? What did you say? That's not what I said. What I said was, <laughs> we actually got to see some some of the breweries. Dave and I both um, joined forces a, a couple days before that conference actually started for a purpose because we knew as soon as things got rolling, we were going to be pulled into the town and country resort where that was. And we weren't going to have as many options to get as far out as you have to go sometimes to get to these guys who are brewing. And so they, we we were together some of the time and split up some other times. But, I mean, we kicked it off by uh, going to Green Flash. And they've opened up a whole new amazing facility. And it was pretty pretty impressive wasn't yeah, it, it it looks yeah it looks like a uh, like what like an office park or something it's like this huge everything glass out there structure. most of the production to back up is an industrial park yeah i mean it's san diego but this is a nice one but this is it really and then you get inside and it's it's amazing i mean they've done an incredible job they've left plenty of room for expansion but i think they're gonna what are they gonna do like seventy five thousand this something year something like that and then they've got they used to have in the old place um in Vista, which was further north, further in, more inconvenient for their employees, who most of them live in San Diego proper, uh, they're now about halfway as far you know away. And they used to have their tasting room, which still was busy all the time. Was you know just a panel of like six or eight like taps on a wall, square feet. and then you would stand around it, you know. And now they actually put in a couple long bars. Um, you know, so there's space to stand around. And the beautiful thing is you're standing there in the brewery. So you're overlooking the bottling line. You see the tanks. You can really watch a lot while you're standing there, you know, in almost a bar type situation. And that, having and, that's, a beer. and that came up big at, at the conference is that all these production facilities are putting in. I mean, they, they're way beyond a tap room. I mean, they really are a bar. And it's a huge revenue source um, for these production facilities. Um, they said it's they're their biggest account now. Yeah. And, well, um, your margin is there because well, you yeah. don't have I the middle. Th- they're their so own biggest account. They're their own biggest Actually, account. I just heard a stat. Um, apparently, Russian River fifty percent is sold at their brew pub in Santa. So how, how does 50%. that work out there in California? You go in, into a, a, a brewery or a brew pub. Can you buy beers, or do you have to buy a tasting glass? How does it work? There, they're just selling it by the glass. I mean, you, you can get growlers. You can you buy. Can get, it. You can, and most brew pubs or. Tasting rooms, you have the option of doing, um, you know, like flights, small pours, because, of course, if you're traveling, you're there for one afternoon and you want to try it all and you can't drink a whole glass of all of it, they do set up those systems. And that's an old, like, brew pub tactic, you know, and and it 
spills over into these tasting rooms, but you can buy it by the pint, sometimes even buy a pitcher, and definitely growlers to go. And I think a lot of these business models, you know, for these production facilities now definitely include, and I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys at, at Bronx think about this. Um, it's like a major revenue source to be able to sell direct, obviously, um, at the brewery and get people to come, get to see, you know, who you, you know, what you're about, who you are, and and um, and and make some money at the same time. Yeah, a big part of our new plan is to actually have a tap room out there. Um, and it's you know it's twofold. It's one getting getting people to experience the brand and getting them on site to see how the beer is made um, and, and really understand beer more. But the other part is is like you said, it's it's a big revenue stream. You're cutting out all your distribution costs and sort of everything that is a cost between the brewery and actually getting it in the someone's beer hand is at a bar. Fresh it's as fresh, is possible, exactly. too. You know, so and you don't it's have like to haul it to us. Idea. Yeah, and you've yeah. got guinea pigs on hand to try new things and get feedback from. And absolutely, it works for everyone. So it's really important. I, I we were looking at tiny. There was a tiny brewery, Hess, that we didn't have a chance to get into. They were closed when we were there. But apparently, he's got this tiny little system, and he even had. I mean, I don't know how big was his system. Um, One or three barrel. Like, it's like a three barrel. He's a total barrel. nano. And he has a tap room in this industrial park. In this his tap room is bigger than his brewery. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right next to, and Ale, it was right next to Alesmith, which is why we wound up there. And, and Alesmith, the last time I was there, he was brewing 700 barrels a year and he was uh, making cheese. He's like, oh, I don't feel like brewing today. I'm not going to brew. Now he's like so deeply in debt. He's like, I got to brew like 24 hours a day. He's like, like they pay won't this let me off. In the brewery because because they won't even let me in because I get in the way. Yeah. So and now at that place was amazing because they still have their original brewery. Well, they they expanded into the next spot in the industrial park, and they've got one down the way that for storage, I think, right? But um, they mentioned that. But um, but their brewery is in a thirty five hundred square foot space. Not that's excluding the tap room. That's excluding the bottling line. But really, like all the brewing is taking place in four. 3,500 square feet, and they foresee that they can max out that space with 15,000 barrels a year. It's a, We all went. Yeah, he, yeah. Jaws dropped. Everyone gasped. It's pretty tall. But it's pretty tall. They have the space. So they've thought it through, but it's really, it's very small, and they are absolutely maximizing what they can do efficiency-wise. So, Jen, this is a basic question, but how is Craft Brewers Conference different from the GABF? Okay. That's... I'm an expert on the GABF because I have gone back every year since I left Colorado. But the difference is that all the brewers are at the GABF, but they're ducking and darting through huge crowds of the public who are drinking beer en masse to find each other and have the community that they're all kind of out there for. And the Craft Brewers Conference is really about them. And so it's, it's a There's tighter, no public. There's no public involved. So um, it means that they have a chance to really focus on each other because when they have their public there, you know, when people are coming up, they are all PR, you know, they're, they're talking, you know, to people and making sure they're sold on the brand and there's an important focus there. But, you know, as far as the community of themselves and getting to really powwow and share information and make it that family reunion, it's a little trickier because it's in a giant convention center with I don't know how many thousands of people attending each session. Yeah, they can basically let their hair down, just have some fun this is, away from the if brewery. If you ask any brewer, this one's their favorite. So how did you guys get to go to Craft Brewers Conference? We're not supposed to. No. We're not, yeah. Uh, we're, we're party crashers. The first, the first year that we went, they were like, what are you doing here? They didn't want retailers there. 
And then, then they, I guess, you know, the wholesalers had already started going, and so the wholesalers were part of it. And then I guess they finally realized, like, yeah, I guess the retailer has to be, I mean, we are part of the chain. And um, now we're still part of the family, and it's not, you know. Yeah. And now they had a craft, brew, a craft beer bar symposium as part of it, and that's going to expand. Um, it was a full day on Friday. Really exciting. Um, with, you know, a, a seminar in the morning and then a whole roundtable in the afternoon. Um, that Dan Lanigan started from Lord Hobo and Alewife, and uh, it was really good. And uh, I think that's going to blow up. It's in D.C. next year, and that's going to be a big part of it. They may make you come down, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. And who else was out? Was Tom Peters there, too? From yeah, Tom he Pe- was. He, was. he was part of the, um, the panel. He was almost everywhere I went. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was great. To- everywhere. Yeah. And Chris and Dave, have you guys been to the Craft Brewers Conference yet? Uh, yeah, I've been twice. We went last year. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It's great meeting other brewers and having a chance to talk with them. And we, you know, couldn't do it this year because we've got to deliver our own beer. So hopefully next year. That's okay. They were like, <laughs> there's like 900 breweries in planning. And no uh, more than that. When they announced that, they said, and now that was the. Uh, December, I think, 2011 figure, and by the time this conference happened, it's up way over. It's like over a thousand now. Yeah, and, and they kept joking. It's like every like ten minutes during a speech at the keynote, they're, they're like, like another nano started. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but you know, Steve Hindy did the keynote speech, opened up the whole thing, great. did an amazing job, opinionated um, and wonderful. Yeah, and uh, yeah, didn't hold back at all. And uh, uh, there was a lot. Yeah, of, he's an advocate for craft beer. Extremely. Yeah. What does that mean? Extremely. Can you please explain that, Dave? What does what? that mean? Being an advocate for craft beer. What does that in mean? In this day and age. In this day and age. Yeah. Well, I, 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 know, I, I would say this. I would say that no matter what we all think in this room, I think that most people still don't drink craft beer if they drink beer, and right. uh, you know. So it's. I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that there's room uh, for interpretation between being a macro brewery. And being a craft brewery, uh, to me, I don't think that the way it works now is that if you're not a macro brewery, you're automatically a craft brewery. I'm not sure that makes any sense to me anymore. But and I, one I man's think opinion. St- I think Steve brought that up in the keynote. He, he was like, "I don't think a six million barrel brewery is a craft brewery. Is is a well, not he didn't say craft. He said a small brewery." And um, yeah, and so which is the rule now that anything below six million barrels is. You know, a craft brewery. So I, there's definitely, there is, and this is the other thing that came up, there's a lot of, dis, you know, there is some dissension in the ranks, and there's definitely, there's going to be three and a half million new barrels coming online. Um, there's going to be more of a threat to the idea of this industry as community. Right. And that was what was expressed. So, we don't want it to be straight industry. We need to make sure we're conscious enough to maintain community. Right, which is going to be harder. You know, well, let's do this. Let's break this log jam here. <laughs> because, you know, whether you're making 5,000 barrels or 200,000 barrels or whatever. Okay, Dave, what was the favorite beer you had this weekend to enlighten our listeners? Well, let's see. I mean, I really love the Alpine stuff. I was really looking forward to have it. I don't, you know, you can't get it anywhere basically outside of San Diego, I don't think. And so we made the trip up there, and uh, it was phenomenal. I mean, he, he's he just every single one of his beers are so clean, so nice. I would say that was definitely anything from him. Jen, I, I was. I mean, uh, there were so many that I can't get here. 
I mean, in a way, I was just excited to even have just a fresh Pliny the Elder, which isn't even from San Diego. But Pizza Port beers, those are the ones I drank everywhere I went. Poor Man's IPA, I've judged Alpha King many, many times, and it usually wins. And it won again at the World Beer Cup, which was great. And uh, that's one of my favorite IPAs. And just anything that they were doing. But all those guys. Alpines, amazing. Everywhere you went. Toronado had an insane list of Ballast Point. Um, everybody was representing well. And Green Flash, the Rayon Vert, is one of my favorite beers I've had in a while. As far as a, like a newcomer, they worked really hard on developing that recipe. And now they're um, distributing it. And we will see it here if you haven't seen it already. And I highly recommend We've you it. it. It's great. Yeah. Green Flash. Rich, the Buchetta Cut. What's your f- favorite beer from the weekend? Oh, Wow. Can be your own too. Can it be my own? Yeah, I won't mention my own. Um, I will uh, give a nod to the gentleman sitting to my left. I really enjoyed their bourbon barrel aged pale. Very nice. Thank you. And Maya, Maya Repose from Brooklyn Brewery. You you are one of the rising stars of the New York beer community, and we know that you were part of many really great beer events. And uh, what was your favorite beer from the weekend? Well, I recently developed a trade system with someone in California, so I've been getting shipments of Russian River, and I'm getting some Alpine next week. Oh, wow. Very Lucky. excited. Ooh. Very Lucky. excited. Hot shot. Okay. And uh, Chris? Damien? Uh, sure. Uh, like Sunday night, I had some uh, Green Flash West Coast IPA. So always, always great. Uh, Sculpin. Ballast Point Sculpin? Yeah. That's good. My favorite, this, I had a... Uh, the Dr. Fritz Bream Groditsky, <laughs> the historical beer that was uh, from the 15th century recipe, a smoked sour wheat on draft. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah, I still have to get my hands on that one. It's good they have it in Bob. We, we did a sour beer a beer event last weekend at Jimmy's number 43, but it really stood out because it's only 4.2%. It's a traditional style. I've been thinking about beers before the modern age, and uh, you know it was sour smoked wheat. And uh, it's also, you know, 4.2%. It's like the pale ales. We're just talking about lagers, you know, refreshing session beers. Um, I also like, I, I'm really a big fan of all the new breweries around New York. Have I like you, the Carton beers. I was going to bring up Carton. Uh, I had Carton at the Proletariat opening last week. Um, I had their BDG at Diamond and then the Boat Beer. And I was really impressed with both of them. They were both Boat really, good. they it's, were well we have, made. We've had it for a couple, it's like 4 point something percent. I call it a hoppy Kolsch, but again, it's like, you know, modern interpretations of these classical styles that are session beers. And uh, I think I'm a session beer fan. So, <laughs> um, all right. We could go on and on, but there's another show coming on after us on Heritage Radio Network. So let's just give a shout out to some good beer seal bar events. Wednesday, May 9th is Captain Lawrence Brewing Night at Blind Tiger Alehouse. Dave, tell us about it. He's bringing tons of sours um, that he's been blending and stuff. I just saw the list. It's. It's pretty amazing, including his uh, mother barrel. He's got like a big um, port wine barrel that he's been using kind of as his, uh, using to blend in a lot so of So this is stuff. like an innovative, experimental Captain Lawrence night. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I'm going. And on Saturday, May 12th, uh, Seth Wright from Beer Nation, the guys from uh, all this, the Happy Hour show, all the, the different people making online beer TV shows are going to be at Jimmy's number 43 for the first ever New York City Beer Film Festival. And uh, there will be July 25th as part of July Good Beer Month, the New York City Book, Blog, and Video Fest. So um, there's some new things going on. This weekend also marks the beginning of Long Island Craft Beer Week. Check out longislandcraftbeerweek.com. For details about these events, check out cooperseal.com. 
In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com and the Good Brew Seal. And thanks to Dave, Jen, Meyer, Rich, Chris, and Damien for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Right. The like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.